but she's on already. Oh, look at that. See, yo, it took Lorenzo like seven minutes to get the invite, bro. <laughs> My saying. brother said tomorrow. What's up? Can you hear us? Yep, I can hear you. What's going on? Okay. How are you doing? All right. I'm good. Thank you for thank you for joining this. us. Oh, I'm happy to. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I feel this is uh, going to be a very uh, fun, but also important, wide-ranging discussion. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, this is my former coworker and someone I consider a buddy, Kristen, uh, and someone who's a champion for uh, uh, mental health wellness, like mental health wellness, I'll say right now. Um, is it Scrumpf? Trump, yeah. Trump. <laughs> yeah. All right. Ah. Yeah. I never got that right. Years, yeah. I've been saying <laughs> Scrumpf for years. Yeah. I've been saying that the whole time, man, but I, I have a, I, I'm terrible. I'm uh, horrible shit. at names sometimes. That's why a lot of people got nicknames back in the day. But um, I, I asked you to do this... Uh, a while ago, long before even Corona happened, we had we had uh, planned on doing this, and then obviously the Rona hit. Things got way out of hand. There were quarantines, everyone all over the yep. place, and then the whole social unrest that happened after things appeared. We might get an opening that led to you know longer background, but uh, now we have it happening. So um, this was a long time in the making. This talk, uh, and you know, one of the reasons I want to tell you know I tell you and I speak to you sometimes on the side and we have these talks um is that a lot of people don't ever want to discuss mental health they go through it you know alone you know people feel like they don't want to be a burden on others and people treat people like burns and, and i mean even like we just discussed earlier like i said what this dickhead skip bayless said about Dak prescott last week um is that there's like a stigma on it so people just don't want to discuss it man and you're one of the people i see on openly on you know on social media discussing your you know, path with it. So, you know, just tell the people what's going on with you or what happened, whatever. You know, you said everything, so. Yeah, so I personally have um, bipolar disorder, uh, bipolar 2, and complex PTSD. Um, it's something, bipolar something I guess I suffered from forever, but it wasn't diagnosed with until last year. I had been misdiagnosed my whole life. So um, I think that's also a problem with mental health, like trying to figure out exactly what's going on with someone. Um, and also like people going to the, uh, a therapist, they, they don't want to go cause they don't want that diagnosis. People don't understand that you have a problem either way. It's about like, if you have a broken arm, you're going to get a cast, right? Your arm's broken, whether or not you put it on. So it's kind of like that to heal. You want to go and get help. Um, but for me, I think the worst part was, um, my CPSD, um, about 12 years ago, I was raped for, um, first time and then. I was abused by um, two relationships after that. So I was basically in seven years of like nonstop abuse. Um, so that I have complex PTSD, which I found out is very different than actual regular PTSD. Um, it kind of warps your whole way of thinking. Um, it warps your, uh, how you think about yourself, how you work, how you interact with other people. Um, and it's, a really hard struggle. Um, about a year, a little over a year ago, I tried to commit suicide actually, um, due to the flashbacks uh, from my PTSD. So um, it's been a long road and it's been very difficult uh, to get myself together and pull together and even admit that I had these problems. But I think the biggest thing right now to end the stigma is we have to be open about um, what we live with. And that's what I want to be so open about it. I went through a lot of this stuff alone for years without telling people. Um, and I just got myself into a worse and worse place. And I started turning to alcohol, you know, and I drank nonstop. And um, 
you just push things down. But once I finally started working on it and got the help I need, I think more people need that and they need to be more open about it so that we can get more people help, I guess. Uh, so as far as <clears throat> being diagnosed with it, mm-hmm. you go, you sit with a therapist, you run down everything that's going on in your head, and then they tell you this is what you have and this is how to deal with it? Um, well, they don't always even diagnose you. Um, I only was because of um, my hospital, say, last year. But sometimes I don't even diagnose because it's putting a label on things, but they will help you work through your issues. So you could sit there one day and you could just, I could just vent about my life. That could be one day. Another day I could talk about, um, for my PTSD, for example, if, um, one of my triggers is when, um, I get yelled at, if a man like yells at me, I shut down. Um, so for example, my father, who I never, I know would never ever hurt me in his life. He raised his voice one time and I went into like a, I broke down. I was a mess. Like I tried to run away. Like it was like just run out of the house. I was a disaster. So with that, I can talk to my therapist. She gives me the mindset. She tells me what to look for. Helps me get my mindset to like step back and realize, okay, this is my dad. He's not going to hurt me. Um, they really work, like walk you through on how to do that and the way of thinking so you can pull yourself together. So once, once they've helped you identify the triggers, do you get past the triggers or do you just try to stay away from them or like, how does that yeah. work? So for example, like, yeah, like the triggers, it depends on what they are because the hard thing is for example, something that happened to you on a daily basis. And all of a sudden one day it triggers it. Like for example, my, my abusive ex he used to put um, the black ice um, thing in his car, you know, the um, air freshener. I could sit with that all the time. It won't have a problem. And then one day all of a sudden it'll like, a panic attack because I smell it. Um, other things though that I, I, I now, my therapist helped me recognize though, um, this feeling I get inside of myself when I, when it's um, on that, when I start getting worked up about those things. So I'm able to practice these things called like it's mindfulness. So you step back and you just kind of um, try to pay attention to everything around you, all the sounds, everything you're feeling from like your shoes to your clothes. And you can step back and really feel that and put yourself back in that exact moment that you're in. And you can kind of remove the thoughts and say, okay, is this person really going to hurt me? Yes or no. Um, is so the, the smaller things like the black ice in the car, I passed that. Like I'm good with that trigger. I know how to handle that now. But other things, if someone covered my mouth, that's another one. And like I don't face that daily. You know, that's, that's something that happens yeah. a lot. So like, uh, but if one of my friends like, jumps on me and covers my mouth for something stupid, I, I haven't gotten over that yet. But things you face on more of a regular basis, you're able to stop. Um, but it does get easier to manage the triggers. Um, now I don't have flashbacks as much. I used to have them at least a couple times a week and I would never sleep. Now I might have one every couple months. It never goes away completely, but it gets easier to manage. It never, like I tell people all the time, some of the stuff just never goes away. You just learn to manage it. Um, he knows that I did therapy a few years back for about two and a half years. Um, and I, at first, I, I didn't tell anyone. Only ones who knew were my immediate family that I was going to therapy. And I didn't tell anyone, man. I was telling people, you know, I was doing anger management just because a lot of people knew I had anger issues throughout, you know, job, other issue I've dealt with. So that's what I tell people until I honestly admitted I was dealing, going to therapy and dealing with other shit too, man. And <clears throat> finding out even, you know, my therapist asked me to break down everything, asked me about my life, how I grew up, relationships with people in my life. 
And when I you know I went after my grandmother passed and I was having a really rough time dealing with it, you know. And, you know, mm -hmm. he told me I never fully processed, you know, my great-grandmother passing years before, and I never grieved that properly. And that compounded yeah. this, compounding with other stuff going on. And it's like, yo, that all adds up, and people don't realize it and don't think to address it until it's too late, yeah. man. And, and I've told everyone in my life, man, after doing it, I, I feel the difference. I know the difference. He helped me. And even when he told me, I told him, like, sometimes, like, I, he told me, like, I had anxiety issues. And he was like, you don't, like, get mad. Like, some people, you lash out and get angry from what it sounds like when you have anxiety. Mm -hmm. He's like, you, like, noticing what's coming on and how to deal with that. And, I mean, I've done better with it. I don't do great with it, but I've done better. Like, someone who's close to me as you, who's seen those. Oh, yeah. Other people still will occasionally see that side of me, and I'm not proud of it, but... I do know what triggers me and stuff, and it, it comes from going to therapy. I'm a, I'm a firm proponent of you know people doing therapy, man. Even like I so, don't think just therapy, therapy can ever go wrong. Everybody in the world, even if you don't have issues, you can benefit from therapy. Yeah, you know, it's just a place for you to vent about whatever you want in your life, and you can get help to rethink what you're going through. Even if it's just like somebody going through a breakup or um, just having trouble with work, you can just get it all out. I had a yo. I had a lot of discussions about work when I was, yeah. I was doing real estate. When I was there, yeah. I had a lot of discussions about work and shit in the office that was bothering me. Oh, so absolutely. What do you guys think about the pharmaceutical industry and how they handle mental health and and the kind of drugs they try to pump into people? So this is actually a really interesting for me. I actually up until I got laid off thanks to COVID, I was working in pharmaceutical advertising. Um, I was on the more back end of it. I was managing, like, hiring people and everything like that. Uh, but um, I think, so for me, I need, there are certain medications. I've tried to manage all this without medication, and it's impossible to for me. Um, I think it's different for everyone. I think that many pharmaceutical agencies, what I don't like, or, uh, that they shouldn't, I don't believe that they should be pushing the drugs on people. I think the fact that... Um, I think like we should be advertising yet to doctors maybe, but I don't think it should be necessarily on TV all the time. I think um, it should be taken on a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, I mean, I also know some pharmaceutical companies who really push drugs on people. I think like the opioid problem is huge. Um, I worked with for a short period of time, um, we had to drop our client because they were trying to push opioids for, to their people just so they could get them on this other drug to basically battle the side effects of opioids so it's That's but insane. we drop them and so it depends That's on each nuts. and that place has been sued it was um you know that place has gone down but you know it is kind of a strange it's it's a weird situation because i i wouldn't be alive without the medications i'm on um but i don't think everybody needs to be on them that is i that think I think uh, one of the big problems with you're saying is like direct-to-consumer advertising, and that's the amount of money that's spent to get in in these magazines to see these and ads. The fucking commercials. It's, uh, it's like the, one of our first recorded podcasts we did years ago. Uh, <laughs> I was with just that about pill, to say that. You know, when we had to blink the name out, and you and you're essentially selling people a pill that if the the pills you're selling them for depression doesn't work, it's like, hey guys, take this. This should make them work now. And if it doesn't, it's gonna make everything way worse. You say that. If it doesn't work, guys, yep. this is this. thirty different side effects. And it was terrible. Listen, this is like, how do you how do you give this to people? Like I remember, I mean, but I just I I, I know that people, the pharmaceutical industry, is meant to do good, is out yep. there to do good, but the manner in which they go about their business doesn't mm -hmm. do good. It does more harm than good. 
pharmaceuticals it's when it gets greedy. Not, yeah. Basically. I think doctors are the ones, you know, doctors know about medications. Like, you can't go in and be like, look, look at something on TV and be like, I know I need that one. I mean, it takes them in a right a long time to get like the cocktail of medications you necessarily need, right? Yeah. Um, and it's all about the doctors. Of, I mean, you really don't know what medication is going to work for you. They do. So watching, reading a magazine and coming into the doctor and saying, I want to take this. It's, it's ridiculous. Every single one works differently for every single person. Yeah. So when, every chemistry. when you say you were in pharmaceutical advertising, were you doing commercials? Were you doing uh, spreads on magazines? Um, we were doing a lot of direct to healthcare professionals. Um, that was the majority of what my company did. So, no so I think consumer. that's kind of the right way of going about it. I think we should be getting like the information on those drugs to doctors so they can better understand that medication. They could get all the science behind it and everything like that, and they can better prescribe it to their patients. Uh, but I don't think that's so sure that they should be, I don't think it should be, uh, advertised directly to the patients but i basically the ones i worked on i worked on pro bono clients uh, like we have a research foundation um to cure aids and stuff like that that i worked on so we also gave back a lot too um but my company they're actually in other places in my company yes they were they were doing magazines and commercials but i was at my um direct company was not i think what's fascinating about advertising pharmaceuticals especially direct to consumers the commercial always looks pretty oh man it's 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 always like somebody you know dancing in the field whether it's for fucking claritin or whatever the fuck <laughs> it is like they it, have it the one be... for what is it uh <laughs> like... the valtrax the shit for herpes man like hiking and shit like guys let's admit like the herpes doesn't look that fun you got a bunch of people smiling and high-fiving and just yeah. like yeah well i will say i will say what i've learned is so concepting was one of my favorite things to set sit in on um but the concepts that the creative team pitches it changes like they're great ideas and then because of the fda because of the clients they get <laughs> taken apart into like these weird commercials that they come out of like no one understands them like okay <laughs> what is going on but in the beginning the idea behind them is great it's just like a torn apart by the fda so oh, man I, I would love to sit on one of those yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh it's, it's really really cool actually um it's so fun to watch how their minds work and how like they team together and come up with these like such creative ideas for it. It's so cool. But then as you watch it, like it's really funny to watch it. Like then each round go by and like more things get pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. I would love to see So, that. so like the top depression medications from what you guys know, do, do they just numb you or do I've they never taken any Some medication? Do. They, but I think a lot it of depends people... on each person. Um, some, some could, uh, I mean, some people say uh, the ones I'm on now are great, but I know other people who will be, feel like robots because of it. I know some people who like their sex drive is gone. I know some people who, um, you know, gain weight from them. So it's all different and you have to find the one that doesn't make you feel like that. Cause there probably is one out there. It's just, you have, like, no one knows just by really until you try it, it's trial and error. So some definitely do that. Some did that to me in the past. So now I found a one, one of them that doesn't. So I think if you are willing to try and push yourself and talk to your doctor and be honest about everything, you'll find it eventually. Yeah. Um, that, that's one thing. Like people just, I think honesty, man, being honest and open about things, man. I think a lot of people just don't want to be honest when they feel, they feel it's easy to just power through it. They'll get over it eventually. 
And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't go that way, man. And I feel a lot of people, the longer you see people do that, man, is the worse it gets for them, man. The way, the way I always explain it to my friends um, who don't understand is I, I say, even if it's like something like I'm having a bad moment where I cannot leave my bed for a day, people don't understand that I physically cannot do it. Like, I want to so bad. I don't want to be laying around, like, miserable all day. I want to be up doing things, but I cannot do it certain days. So what I explain is, like, it's like you play basketball, right? And during a game, you break one of your arms. And your your uh, your team is like, okay, just play anyway. And you're like, I, I can't. My arm's broken. I'm like, I want to play, but I can't. And they're like, well, you have to. Like, you're being lazy. You're just dropping it. No, like, I can't. My arm is broken. And then if they go to play, it's going to get worse. It's going to keep getting worse and worse. And then you're going to have a major problem down the line. So, I mean, it would be a major problem then. But I think that's a way to look at it. It's just like any other thing. It's like or like diabetes. You have to take medicine to treat that. And you have to follow your – you just have to follow and track every mood you're feeling. And I think, um, yeah, it's just really hard to nail down. So uh, outside of just one-on-one therapy patient like uh, contact, do you guys? What do you think about like support groups? People gathering. My my mom, um, she I can't remember what it was for. She went to a support group when uh when I was in high school, and I forgot what it was for. And one of our counselors ended up being in that same support group who. She ended up knowing through me, and mm-hmm. it was weird. It was just weird. I forgot what it was for exactly, but it was. Uh, I feel like it was something th- related to how everything went down with the J Dubs. I want to say I don't know yeah. exactly, um, but she met someone through there. I met her. It was when I had my cash on my hand, so it was my freshman year. Um, and I don't think she was in the school much longer after that. But I remember that man, and my mom liked it. I know people who've gone to support groups. I know people who've uh, who've done AA. I know people have admitted like being there and other people's stories. You know, admitting, you know, other having other people there that you know are there that have been on the other side of it. And, you know, even people who have been around that have relapsed or anything, people I know with drugs that have relapsed that try. And it's like being around that structure at least helps them to a certain extent. And knowing that the other people were fucked up like that and that you can still mm-hmm. bounce back and recover from that. And there's a lot of people that think one simple fuck up and, you know, it's not murder, some wild shit. Yeah. One simple thing is going to ruin your life. And some people think that and just it leads to a terrible fucking spiral. And they do worse shit to hide it, worse shit to, you know, worse shit. And it, it compounds. And You know, the, the only support group I ever went to, this was many, many years ago. Don't, shit, you're about to make me laugh. And it's, it's funny. It's funny because I, I was forced to go here. It was called MA. It was for, it was Marijuana Addicts Anonymous. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't think there was anything. Laugh. I didn't think there was anything wrong with weed. I still yeah. don't. I don't. Like, I'm high right now. So <laughs> we're both high. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know how to manage my PSD, actually. But I, 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 was, I was with someone that, that wanted me to, to go to this meeting because she thought that I had a problem. And when I go inside the meeting, I saw that there were people there that actually had a problem with mm-hmm. weed. Like, it was yep. actually something that was interfering with their lives. Like, they was fucking up their lives. So, it, just seeing them in this setting, because I didn't really take it serious. And maybe 
I wasn't supposed to because I am Roach. <laughs> so. nah, I mean, here's the thing. When you told me that, and I remember you telling me about it, it was like, yo, I still, I can't picture it. It's just like, I tell you, but I know there's people that do that. There's like, yo, like, get high all day, don't do nothing. But it's like, yo, when I know I have shit to do, I can't get high. I got some shit to take yeah. care of. I want to, but I could do that shit when I get home. I'm going to go make sure I exactly. take care of business. So when I get home, it's like, oh, we get Like, I'm just, I'm going to get high all day. Like, that's all I'm going to do after that. But I'll get high. I'll just hold off on drinks. I just quit. And I was, I'm not technically an alcoholic, um, but I was drinking to definitely self-medicate. I became like, it was my way of actually just forgetting my issues. And I drank a lot, but I tried to go to like an AA and I realized those people had more problems. Like, I think that like people, um, they caused more problems. For me, alcohol took away some of my problems. I became too dependent on it. But I can go a week if I wanted to without. I didn't want to go a week, so I usually didn't. But I, um, would, when I went to AI, I just didn't relate as much to those people. I think that alcohol is ruining their lives, but like my life was ruined, and that's why I turned to it. Um, and like they place all this stuff on the higher power, which is great for them. But for me, like I feel like I'm doing the work, so I don't want to be helping something else for the work that I'm doing. But I think group is, I started doing a group in, um, when I was in the hospital and it was so great. I never, first of all, I never would have thought like a psychiatric hospital, the fact that I was in one, it, like, I still kind of laugh because I was like, oh yeah, I used to like drive past them and call them a loony bin and here I am in a loony bin. But <laughs> it's actually an amazing place. Um, I getting to see other people who are exactly like you doing some, feeling the same way and finally feeling understood. I think that's was so helpful. I think for years, people with mental illness, like you're not understood. Like people see, if they, if people run away from me when I tell, if I tell them I'm uh, bipolar, I, they run. So it's like so nice to talk to people who go through the same things. And I'm on a lot of like Facebook groups. I don't delete Facebook because I'm all in all these support groups on there. And I have friends who have mental illness who we now know to talk to each other about things. We look out for each other. Like we can tell if somebody doesn't, um, if someone goes off the face of the planet for a few days, okay, they're probably suffering. So let's get in touch with them. Um, it's, I think groups can be very, very helpful. Does your bipolarism ever extend itself into rage or just sadness? Mine is more, so I have both. So it's not necessarily rage. It's, um, mania. That's what people think it is. Right. So everybody assumes that it's, rage and everything like that where not isn't necessarily for me what my mania is um i don't sleep for a few days the first day of it i feel incredible i think i'm on the top of the world i think i am the best thing i think i'm a genius like i think everything's just working out i i, don't, I cannot remember what it's like to feel sad so i just think i'm on top of the world and then and the next night i don't sleep and then i start to get jittery and my mind won't stop running so I will forget everything I'm doing. I'll like start a million things and I'll jump from thing to thing, to thing but nothing will get done. I will like just sit there, sit on the couch and for uh, I think it's like 10 minutes and an hour will go by. And as time goes on, it gets more frustrating. I lose track of what I'm saying in the middle of sentences. Um, I just am very much all over the place. Cannot settle down. Can't sit. Like it's, so that's more of my mania. Like anything, like when I'm depressed, I am a mess. Like I will, a depression nest, it's like, a, you know, you just throw things, you don't clean anything. It's mm -hmm. just like blankets all over, clothes all over. But when I get manic, I want to clean all of that up. I want to like organize. I want, um, I'm kind of just on top of everything. 
So actually, I like almost the first, at least the first day or so of a manic episode. I think the depression is way worse. Though some people do act um, rageful. Um, I, I, but a lot of us don't. And that's why people are so scared when you tell them that you have bipolar. Like, oh my God, this person's going to like freak out on me when that's not the case. Um, it affects people different. Like I have bipolar two. Bipolar one is more of the definitely mania and that has more of the rage yeah part of it but um bipolar 2 is more of the depression that you have burst of this other energetic side i think it's, it's crazy that when you think about mental health it's such a wide scope of it's things. It's such a wide spectrum. It's such it's it's a wide thing. It's so wide it ranging, and so much goes into account and in taking care of it and making sure that you you take care of at least your own or can notice mm -hmm. if someone else's mental health is sort of waning and how to not weigh on them and be there to help them if you possibly can and know that if they need you to step back and step back and if they need your help to be there to help and not be a hindrance and be like hey just get up let's go to the park why the yeah. fuck are you in bed why are you in here with the shades closed you've been watching netflix for the last two days three days bro yeah. what the fuck like that doesn't help that doesn't help doesn't the situation. at all it just makes you feel worse it just, just makes you feel like okay yeah i'm a loser i can't get up and they, like you almost forget that you feel this way because of your mental health you believe that maybe you are just lazy you like hate yourself for it uh, but i think the most helpful people in the world that don't have it are kind of like what you're doing here you know like if people want to learn and people want to talk to you, people just want to um, understand, you don't know how it, it is. I appreciate that so much because I know people that don't suffer from bipolar or PTSD. I know they don't get it. They're not, I'm not going to expect them to get it, but the fact that they're willing to understand and learn it, that show, makes all the difference. And when... um, just to be there to support, even my, my doctor say, I might not want to go out, but my friend just forces me to get on a FaceTime. Mm -hmm. Great. You know, that's something. That's interaction. Yeah. That's communication. Yeah. That's, that's at least interacting with the outside world in some way. Um, I can't remember what I was about to say a second ago. I totally lost my train of thought there. Um, <laughs> shit, I was about to say something. I was, I was going to say something too, so I'll say it while you gather your thoughts. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I suffer from minor depression. I go through mm -hmm. my phases. Uh, it's, it's never gotten to the point where I'm like, crippled in my bed and I don't want to get out but like I'll be in a great mood like you said I'll wake up thinking I'm on top of the world and then somebody will say something to me that just puts me at the bottom of the dirt mm -hmm. and then I'll just feel like that and I can't get myself out of that and I've, I've been that way for a long time I've never gone to therapy he's tried to get me to go to therapy a bunch of times I never did it I know your mom has tried to. So therapy mom. would be so helpful for that. I mean, like, I mean, I'll be honest right now, and I don't know how much your mom's going to like me for saying this, but when me and your mom had that discussion about it and that we both went after what happened anymore. to my little cousin, you know, when she spoke to me, that his mom always, like, you know, treated me decently as the next door neighbor and his friend, but hated the fact that we were stoner potheads, that I was smoking the whole way, that sometimes the apartment smelled like weed because of me. And she it calls caused it grass. It caused, <laughs> it caused friction in our relationship. And my little cousin um, attempted suicide not far from where we live, man. And we didn't know it was him. And I was, we were there that day. We were right there across the street and we had no idea. And, you know, when everybody found out, like, she was one of the few people that was really 
not asking questions, but really, how are you guys doing? How's he holding up? How's everyone holding up? And really, she was open with me about everything. And she also knew we weren't communicating great at that time. So I guess she knew, she didn't know who I was talking to. And I guess she knew that maybe if I was talking to Fucko, he wasn't the greatest ear. Yeah. So she tried to be an ear, and that really helped us. When I saw her, not last week, the week before that, bro, she was with Jose. They were driving by. I wanted to reach in the car and give her a hug so bad, but with the Rona and everything, I, I just, I couldn't, but I, just, I wanted to reach in the car and give her a hug so bad, bro. I didn't see that in almost a year at that point, man. And y'all live down the block. Yeah, none of this. <laughs> it's it's so weird because I feel like um, I don't know if you guys know like the Robin Williams quote where he says like the people who have it like the hardest are the ones who are nicest to everyone else and want to care because you don't want anyone to feel like you do. Um, and I really b believe in that. Um, and also, what's interesting too is when for me, like I've tried to commit suicide I think twice. Once I people I talked my way out of getting hospitalized and said like that's not what I was doing, but um, I think what happens is like the day I tried, I was out with my friends and I was having the time of my life all day. Then all of a sudden I went home, had a flashback, things stopped, snapped, and I went down to a bottle of uh, Xanax basically. So, I mean, it just snaps and comes over you. And I don't think people realize that either. Um, um, sometimes it's just a fast thing. I mean, I knew I wasn't good mental health wise at that point, but to, um, to just, it was scary to know that something so easily could just switch. David Spade is uh was Kate Spade's like brother-in-law. Um, I mean, I mean she div she divorced his brother, but like that's how she got her last name. They were you know, and he said they were still close. And when she killed herself, he said it that if she could have just spoken to someone for maybe five or ten minutes, that she wouldn't have gone through that action. He said he knew she had her ups and downs, and like she wouldn't have just totally went off like that. And I think people need to realize that someone in a second is like how easy like pick and choose your words you say to people. Like, because you don't know what could set someone off, man. And I definitely wouldn't want that on my conscience to know some shit like that. Like, honest to God, I wouldn't want to know, like, if I said something since someone's spiraling down a path like that, man. Like, it would break my heart to know some shit like that. Like, it's, it's, it's so funny because people are always, like, messaging, like, oh, I'm always here, like, all that kind of stuff. But then when you, like, reach out to them, they don't know what to do either um for help like i have so many one time i like messaged a friend who said they'd be there because i was really struggling i don't know i'm not i'm not capable of handling this it's like okay all i needed you to do was talk to me but all right you know not like, capable uh, of handling it. like even if i'm not capable of handling it like i'm gonna still try to talk to you and actually like what do you need from me is there anything like if, if you're in the area where well, you need me to come by you want to you want to burn one you want to come play some games you want to watch a movie like i got the blu-ray collection really i packed is. the xbox up like what do you want to do like you know that's what i'll try to do if someone hit me like that it's it's the, you just want to listen to them like all it is is listening and being there for them. give them a hug talk to them like just listen to what they have to say you, no one expects you to have the answers no one expects you to like know how to get them better it's just having someone in your corner it's, it goes back to the anthony jeselnik joke that everyone on social media is just like don't forget about me today i'm still here it's like every time <laughs> like i are you are you still are you sober yes I'm um, one year and um, one year, one month. So because because I, I see you on, on Facebook, on congrats on on okay. celebrating those things. So I would see a lot of people just you know comment, and if you just went spiraling down, like let's say you go get a bottle right after this shit, and you just say fuck it, man, and you start drinking, and you call those same people, they're not probably gonna be there, bro. It's just exactly. like they just want to be a part of the feed. They want to yeah. be a part yeah. of the timeline. They want to put their emoji and get over. I I think about that all the time. Like I laugh at 
like not to say, I mean, people do try. Like, I'm not saying it's ill-intentioned. I think they really do um, feel better, like they're proud or whatever, and they're great. But I mean, I know that it's very few people. I mean, the amount of friends I've lost when I've stopped since I've stopped drinking that they didn't necessarily lose them. They just they faded away. They stopped checking in on me. They always said, "Okay, we'll go out somewhere where you don't have to drink. We'll have fun." That never happened. Um, because they like the wild you. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it felt like. I just realized, like, okay, when I'm not drunk, I'm not fun anymore. Is that what it is? You only like me when I'm, like, the life of the party. Like, you don't like me for who I am. Um, and that's a really sad thing to realize. But there are, you also find those friends. Like, one of, a girl that I was friendly with, but I wasn't all of that close to at the time, we were, uh, she all of a sudden stepped into that role. She was silver, too. Uh, she checks in with me constantly. Um, she's like, I have a lot of friends like that too. So you really kind of find out who your real friends are, but it is like laughable to see some of the people that comment and stuff. And you're like, you're not going to care. You don't really care if I picked up the drink. You'd probably be like happy. I could drink again. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Like people who I know that, like, I don't like, I, I know people who like, I just, I don't mention drinking around certain people who I know, like, like sober other people. I, I had no idea. Someone who told me who we used to work with, I was like, holy shit. I had no idea. And I was like, God damn. And when they told me, I was like, I'm glad I never really spoke about any of our rager nights around him, any of those crazy nights I had around him. Like, there's yeah. like some small triggers for him. Like, bro, you, uh, how many times have I came to your house and say, I quit drinking, bro? I'm done. And I'm then done. I, yo, every time you do it, I don't show up with drinks. Anytime I show up at yeah. your house and you're like, yo, I'm not drinking. I'll hit you up, yo, I'm on the way. You're like, yo, I'm not drinking anymore. You know, I'm giving it up. Yo, cool. Hands up. I don't bring a drink. Come to the chat. I don't mention drinking. We working. We do whatever we're doing. I come over two days later. He has a six pack. Ask me if I want a beer. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck happened in 48 hours? <laughs> so this, I don't see people who do that though. This is my, this is my thing. I used to use uh, alcohol just, it enhances whatever emotion I'm already dealing with. So yes. it, it, it's not that alcohol makes me sad or it makes me happy. If I'm already sad, it's, it's just going to make me more sad. If I'm already happy, yeah. it's going to make me more happy. So it was just a matter of me trying to check my own situation, check my brain to tell myself, mm -hmm. yo, you don't have to feel like this right now. It, it, every time, because I used to be somebody that went to the bar all the time by myself. And yeah, I, I would be there with a fucking laptop like it's a cafe and knocking back fucking IPAs and Pilsners and shit. And to me, it, that was just getting work done. But then yeah, something would happen and then break. something would happen and then I close the laptop and now I'm just there drinking by myself and I start to feel like yep. a loser. And then I go outside and I see everybody smoking and drinking together and I'm there by myself and nobody's calling mm -hmm. me. And then now it just becomes a downward spiral. So it, it depended on the day, but to me, I, I stopped thinking that alcohol was the make or break because I, I haven't said that I'm going to stop drinking anymore. I, I keep drinking, but now I just don't drink every day. Now I just drink yeah, when I want to drink. Yeah, that's going to cut back. That's all. And that was a problem. That's the thing I couldn't do. I'm never one that I can... I was always the first one at the bar and the last one to leave. I'd go... I'm, I'm friends with so many bartenders. And I love each one of them, but it usually started because I was there alone and I wanted to talk to people. Um, it was... It's... It's, um, I wish that I was able, well, maybe eventually I will, and that's what I hope, to be able to, like, go to a wedding and have a drink if I want to. But um, I think for most people, that's what you got to do. It's like, okay, maybe this isn't healthy. Maybe drinking every night isn't healthy. I'm going to cut back. Or I'll go out for two. For me, if I had that one or I had two, I just keep going. 
and I couldn't sell for me. It always I couldn't made just me have one or yeah. two. That's why every time people people say that with me at work, like when like I don't drink a lot, but when it's like yo, when we yo, like when it's like yo, we going out after work, when, yo, want to go grab a beer after work? We are not grabbing just There's a no beer. No such thing as it's one like beer, everybody, bro. every yo, they hit us yeah. with it all the time. They're like yo, Zo, you know, you know, you're not grabbing just a beer, bro. So you know, it's like yeah. even it's why when I would ride down with uh with with June after work when we ride, when I ride down with him to Max Fish on Fridays and mm-hmm. Saturdays, where I got to the point why I wouldn't go inside because if I went inside. I was guaranteed to be staying there at least an hour and a half, two hours drinking yeah. and not paying. And it's like, yo, like I couldn't even go in there to pee without getting a beer put in my hand. But I was getting a drink without, yo, let's go do a shot downstairs real fast. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I said, I'll, I'd walk into bars and they have a drink ready for me when they saw me. So like, <laughs> I love that I have bartenders here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was. It always flies. They, one of my favorite bars, they had a glass that was just for me. No one else could use that glass. They kept it on their cabinet. And it was, uh, it says, I do what I want with the cat giving the finger. And that was my glass. So the minute they saw me come in, they filled the vodka cranberry up and slid it my way. And that was it. And she want to go where everybody knows her name. I, it was. <laughs> I was so Norm Peterson. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It it really was. I'd walk into this place and everyone would know me. Everybody would come up and give It was just for me, it was fun. It was Cheers. I loved that show. But then I realized maybe life shouldn't be Cheers. <laughs> That's a show for a reason. Yeah. It only takes place in a bar for a reason. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> if your life is Cheers, it's time I mean, to reevaluate. I think one, one of the things exactly. I wanted to uh, discuss here, because you, you brought up us, sobriety, is one thing I think a lot of people don't pay attention to, and I think a lot of parents are knowledgeable to, is uh, how young kids start drinking nowadays, man. Like when I'm around like 21, 22-year-olds when I was still working at my old job, when I, I still worked for DMB doing security. Uh, and I'm around kids who are like 21, 22, even some that aren't 21. And they're talking about how they drank or how they were drinking, how they drink in high school, how they still drink. It's like, man, I remember drinking at that age. But I didn't really start drinking hard until around 21, 20. And like yeah. these kids are like talking about in high school how they were getting yeah. fucked up like this. And I think if people are more knowledgeable to that, how that could lead to, you know, a dependency issue later in life. I don't think people realize even that, man, because I know some people that are, you know, for lack of a better word, I won't say alcoholics, but, you know, alcohol abusers. Yes. Alcohol abusers. And don't acknowledge it. Consider it a normal thing. And it's cool. It's cool. That's totally fine. But. Beyond a certain point, there's some people who don't, I think, aren't knowledgeable to it. And because they've seen it, they've done it so normally, they think everyone else does. And exactly. That's why I didn't think I had a problem either. Everybody else was doing it too. You know, you think that it's so normal because, I mean, my industry, advertising is very similar to Mad Men, honestly. We had drinks in the office, like, every Friday. We Everybody would go out to drink for lunch. It would always be, like, me at the bar, we'll get our laptops and have a meeting. It it was a very so for me. It just was a part of the it's everyday. That's just what work. you did. It's a um, part of the life, man. And I never thought that was abnormal. I didn't. I thought by staying out to all hours of the night and being the first out of the bar, I was just that's just normal. You don't realize it's really a problem until you step back and realize realize that like why is it that I can't do anything without having a drink? Like why is it that I don't really. I don't want to go to anything. Like I didn't want. I really wouldn't have gone out to certain places if I hadn't didn't have a drink first. Everything was about finding a place that had drink, finding bars. All right. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people who still do that, and it's just like so many people who are 
at a certain point you have to grow up and realize that that's not healthy. And so many people, I see it into like forties, fifties, you know, you see people doing that all the time. And it's fun to have a drink. I, I, I tell people, I realized I was becoming a bit dependent on alcohol and I'm pretty sure you can relate to this with me. Um, when we were at DMB, the way we would go out every night after work, yes. man. And I realized, Hurley's. like, yo, like, we should, like, Hurley's. Like, and, yo, it got to the point where, yo, I, like, my theater where I was working before Corona was the theater right next door to Hurley's to where I had to make it to the point where, yo, I would only go in there Sundays in between shows. And that's because I had a two-show day and I wanted to watch football the little bit I could and I would have lunch there. But it got to, like, yo, I'm right next door here. But, like, back, I was like, if I was working here when I was younger, I couldn't have survived this. It's like I was six blocks away and still found my way here every day. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, it's insane, man. But, like, I think we I still, like, like I cherish those memories. But it's like, yo, yeah. like, we were just, I'm working five nights a week. I'm drinking hard five nights a week. Like, it was oh, yeah. crazy. Like, it was wild. I'll never man. regret the times. I will never regret that I think those are fun years of my youth that was like ridiculous. I have like the most wild stories from like being out of it. And it's fun. I don't regret any of that, but it's time to grow up. Yeah. It's time to get my yeah. act together. That was being a kid. Now it's time to be an adult and figure out what works and what's healthy. It's and what's going to sustain your life yes. long term. Yeah. Megan, make it smarter choices. Life you want. Adult choices, man. The, the life you want, the life you want to live, man. And and being acknowledged, acknowledgeable of the fact that you've made choices that have put yourself in these positions. And yep. I think a lot of people can't do that. That's one of the things with therapy also is like acknowledging the position you're yeah. in. And like, that, like hey, I, I, I played a part of myself being here. And it didn't yep. take, you know, the world, the man, everything coming down on me. Yeah, in some instance, but there's a part you yourself playing that a lot of people can't acknowledge that um before we wrap this up there's one thing i really have to talk to you about that i want to talk to you about um can you explain to us or at least tell us what was it like being on the pre-show coverage for the uefa you know oh my god champions it league is for champions league this whole thing that? has been like wild like i created my fan club with like I was I had to ask my mom to sign up for it so I had eleven people to be a part of it. And now it's what, like three hundred and fifty members from twenty five different countries. And so I have all these like I I get like I've been flown out to places when they when UEFA called me, they sent me an email. Like they found me. I didn't like reach out to them. That was the most wild part. When I saw an email like, hey, can we interview on our pre show? I was like I, I lost it. I, I I was like shaking. I stayed up for like nice. Just I was studying. I was like, I don't know anything. I know everything about this team, and I didn't believe it. I was like, oh my god. I was so nervous. But then when I was on it, then they asked for me back, which is still I can't. I can't really believe that this is happening. Um, I'm supposed. They're supposed to be actually emailing me soon too to see if I could be um, on the show regularly as their um, Bayern fan voice. So. It's just that's been a cool. world. It's so cool. It's so that's fun. cool. I'm pretty sure you know the Mets. Um, the Mets will never do that for me, man. I've said some wild things about the world. <laughs> well, no, they sold the Wilpons. Thank God, the Mets have finally sold. Thanks, sweet baby Jesus, they finally sold. Um, the Wilpons <laughs> are no longer owners. It should be finalized by the end of the year. Um, but one thing I remember is uh, when we did have it, man, was me, Vela, and my brother would argue with you on Facebook about who was the Dark Knight, who got the Dark Knight moniker, and uh, here on air. I have to say that uh, your guy, I believe it was a Boston Swansteiger, right? That was what you guys called him? The Dark Knight? Who was that on um, Byron? Uh, oh, um, oh, at the time it was Lewandowski. No, it was um, who was the Dark Knight. They were calling um, Lewandowski because he had the face mask on at the time. He had broken his nose. Uh, he had like that mask on. 
So. Yeah, we, we had we had a decent argument about that, but uh, I, I have to say, uh, your guy's career lasted, and our guy uh, he flamed <laughs> out pretty quick. So uh, I, I just want to throw that out there. Um, Kristen, man, I want to thank you for coming on, having this amazing conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for having Absolutely. me. I think everyone who heard this heard some good. Um, I think you asked a lot of amazing questions, man. I, I think people will listen to this and think you booked the guest, man. Um, usually people can I tell. I don't know sports, but I know mental illness. Yeah, man. Like, you asked a lot of great questions, brother. Um, you you, 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 you held it, man. Um, I want to thank you for coming on, Kristen. Um, thank you. If you uh, want to let the people know where to follow the Bayern team or anything you want people to follow for you or anything. Oh, yeah, if you could, uh, my, um, for Byron, it's Byron Red Ladies on uh, Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. Um, that's, just follow us. It's a pretty amazing group of women, and it's awesome. And I'm at Trump's, uh, Trump says what, so it's a long one that no one would be able to figure out anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, so once again, I just want to thank you for coming on with us, having this amazing thank conversation, you. and uh, I'll talk to you soon. I'll hit you in a bit. Yep, sounds good. Talk to you Later. soon. Later. Bye. This was good. That was a good one, man. That was a good one, bro. That was a phenomenal one, man. I hope that uh I hope I'm that saying you you and Lorenzo, y'all 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 went a, a solid 30, 40 minutes on sports. I had shit all to say. I mean, you said a little bit, man, but that was a that, that was a very good conversation. Um and when I asked her, I told you just be as open, as candid as you want to be. And you, you tell me what you don't want us to ask, I'll let you know. She said, I'm open book. And I appreciate that. Um, I think that's an important conversation for people to hear, man. I think for kids to hear. Um, for young people to hear, especially, man. Young young professionals to hear. That's, that's going to sound good on the uh, on Anchor. What? Yeah, that conversation? Yeah. That's a that's a very good, just like I said, important that, for young people to hear that conversation, conversation with, right man. Yeah. And just see the way like life compounds the way things happen and just know that there's a way out, man. It's not as bad as it seems in that moment. Um and acknowledging it, man. A lot of people don't. And I'm glad she came on. That was a great yo, that was a, one of our better <coughs> guests we've had on the run remember, so far. Remember, remember Craig Ferguson? He had the late night show. He he did a monologue on his show one time years ago, and I remember seeing this shit and it choked me up because I understood what he was saying. And he was talking about how before all this shit happened, like he was really, uh, he was in the bar all the time. And he had to go somewhere. He was supposed to catch a flight at like three o'clock. And he went into the bar at like 1.30 or some shit like that. And he didn't leave till the next day. And then he, he started crying. Like he felt like he was an alcoholic and, and all these things. So he would try to stop drinking and it would never work out until he realized that he didn't have a drinking problem. He had a thinking problem because he thought that his dependency was the alcohol and, and it was everything around that. It was the camaraderie from, from being at the bar with people that are inebriated just like you are. And you can have these open conversations with people that you wouldn't be able to have in the street with sober people. Nobody wants to talk shit yeah. when, when they're sober. So. For me, it was just it was the same thing. It was just like I drink a lot, but at the same time, I don't drink and go into rages. I drink and I get work done. So it, it wasn't like that before. If I would drink too much of certain things, a rage was possible, and it would have to. I would have to overdo it, but it was possible, man. Acknowledging that and seeing that, man, it's like yo, I can't keep doing this shit. Like no, I'm but, young. But like, like last Saturday, I drank. I pounding, pounding, shots, 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 beer, 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 shot, 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 different shit. And I felt like I was drunk, like I was fucked up. 
but I was like still in somewhat of control. Like I was controlling my emotions. I was still engaging with people. I wasn't shutting down and, and just going into my own head. Uh, like I, I still stayed relevant to the situation. And that was around family. I went to Long Island after everything. So it, it was just, I feel like now I have a, somewhat of a grasp on how I feel when I'm drinking as opposed to last year or the year before when I would just drink and just free fall. So to hear her say that, you know, even after a year uh, or a year and a month of not drinking, that she still wants to be able to go to a wedding and have a glass of champagne, she's going to reach that point where she realizes that it was never an alcohol issue. It was just, it was a solemn, solemn and mental, I think, bro. Uh, you heard her already. She acknowledges that's what it is. She wants to reach that point. And I, I hope for that because I remember having drinks her back in the day. It was always a fun time. Um, but no, no people, man, people that I knew had problems, man. It's like, Man, like when they tell me they were sober, it's like, hey, man, you know, you want to catch a ball game, anything, like, anything, like, there's just people just acknowledge. Usually, people can acknowledge it, and sometimes there's like, there's, there aren't people who are true alcoholics. Like I said, they're alcohol abusers, and when you like take that second to acknowledge, step back, and want to look forward, it's a lot of people just need that break. I know people that will take a drinking break, and when they come back yeah, to it, that's smoking fun, break too. Take a break. Take a smoking break. I've t- I told you I'm like taking People be like, yo, I, I, I don't even feel like I get high no more. Stop smoking for a week or two. I hit t- that shit again. I've taken smoke breaks. Yo, after, I've only taken a break for like a couple days and you feel the difference. Yeah, but like, bro. But, like, I, but then these are people who just steaming them. You know me, bro. Like I hit my bong and I'm not hitting it again five, six hours because I'm fucking stoned off my ass. That's like I'm not sitting lies. there ripping the bong all day fucking every 20, 30 minutes. Like I, that's crazy. Like I would get a headache doing that. There's a difference between me and you having a couple of drinks and getting some button road shit done as opposed to me and you having a couple of drinks watching Apple Pie or American, American Pie, Pie. Too. <laughs> too. Yeah, <laughs> and couple me fucking Need to crawling crawl across the hallway. <laughs> crawl home, man. Those were the days. Bag of Doritos, couple tall boys, and American God Pie, man. Damn. 